Thank you for joining us on the Victory Church Podcast. Here at Victory Church, we're all about helping people win. And today's message is going to help you do just that. So, let's get started. Well, how many of you are ready for the Word of God today? Are you ready? All right, come on, get your, your notepads out, get your pens ready. Uh, we've been in a series of messages in the new year that we've called Clear Vision. And we're trying to open up our hearts and our eyes to get a clear vision of what God's plan, God's purpose is for our lives. And and we discovered three keys to really operating and growing in clear vision in our life. They are to see, to say, and to sow. See, say, sow. See is the revelation. We need a revelation from the word of God as to what God's plan is for our lives. That's where we get the revelation of God's will is from the word of God. Then we begin to speak that will. We call that prophecy. We declare, we prophesy the word of God, the will of God over our life, and it grows on the inside of us. There's power in our words. And then we begin to sow our actions into those things, coming into obedience with the word of God. And as we see, say, and sow, the will of God becomes clearer in our life, and the will of God begins to operate in our lives. We then listed seven key areas from God's word that we needed to have a revelation in. We talked about identity, who we are in Christ. We, that's where it all begins, knowing who we are in Christ. And most of the problems that we face in our life are come out of a wrong identity, a wrong way of seeing ourselves. We don't see ourselves as God sees us. So we need a revelation of who we are in Christ. Secondarily, we need a revelation of our priorities. But until you see yourself as God sees you, your priorities won't be right. Our relationships, our finances, health, the church, and our mission. What we've been doing in this series of messages, we've just been breaking down each of these areas, uh, hoping to gain greater revelation of what God's vision is in these areas of our life. Then we can activate our faith through confession and actions into that area and experience the transforming power of God's word in our lives. So far in this series, we've already covered identity. We've covered our priorities. That, and now that we're in the month of February, we've begun some discussion on relationships, all right? Uh, didn't Lewis do a great job last week on relations, shifting our relationships? And that, that, was, a, that was a great word. And, and so uh, since uh, last Friday was Valentine's Day, uh, I thought, thought I would take advantage of this weekend just to focus on marriage, all right? To focus on marriage. Uh, we just come out of the EXO Marriage Conference. 25 couples came and participated in this conference. And I'm gonna tell you, it is some of the best material I have ever heard on the topic of marriage. Because they preached all my material. Seriously, I heard them preach things that I've preached in the year, but I'd never ever heard anybody else preach on it. And so when they, they say it, I thought, wait a minute, I've, I've preached that before. And it was, it was just so good. And so uh, it was so motivating to us. And so I just want, I want the people who were at the conference to know that before I preached today, before we went through the conference Friday and Saturday, I'd already prepared my notes So I'm not copying from them. I'm not taking their material. This is my material. They just happened to steal it from me. And today, well, what I want to do is I want to talk about seven things you can do to improve your marriage starting today. 
Seven things that you can do to improve your marriage starting today. Now, before some of you check out uh, thinking, well, this message doesn't apply to me, you're wrong. See, for those of you who are married, this will definitely apply to you. There are seven things that you can do to improve your marriage starting today. For those of you who are single and hope to be married, this is definitely for you. Thank you for that whistle. Uh, someone's excited about that, right? <clears throat> these, these principles, you can begin to improve your marriage, even though it may come at a later time, starting today. And for those of you who are single and don't ever intend to be married, God may surprise you. So you might as well be prepared, right? So if you're ready, come on, we're gonna get started. Um, I wanna start with just a little bit of marriage humor. Is that all right? All right, Grandpa Jones was celebrating his 100th birthday and everyone complimented him on how athletic and well-preserved he appeared. Gentlemen, I will tell you the secret of my success, he cackled. I have been in the open air day after day for some 75 years now. The celebrants were, uh, were impressed and asked how he managed to keep up his rigorous fitness regime. regime. Is that regime? Regime? Regimen. Vita Vegemin. Little Lucille Ball on you there. Um, well, you see, my wife and I were married 75 years ago. And on our wedding night, we made a solemn pledge. Whenever we had a fight, the one who was proved wrong would go outside and take a walk. <laughs> okay. I guess if I knew how to pronounce the word regime or regime or whatever. Okay, here we go. You ready? Seven things you can do to begin to improve your marriage starting today. Number one, see marriage the way that God sees marriage. If you want to improve your marriage starting today, you need to see marriage the way God sees marriage. This is the revelation we need to have a revelation of how God sees marriage. Now, here's the problem. When we think of marriage, we most often think of marriage through the wrong lens. We are actually looking at marriage the way that man looks at marriage, not as God looks at marriage. It's also possible that many of you, and maybe even most of you in this room, actually look at marriage thinking that you're looking at it the way God thinks, but you're really not. You're looking at it the way man thinks, even if you try and throw a little bit of God in there, right? It might sound good. It might even sound reasonable, but it isn't God. So let me just share with you man's view of marriage. You ready? Two people are attracted to each other. They both love God. They fall in love. They get married. They have sex. They have kids. They raise those kids hoping they will turn out. The kids leave. 
They grow old together. They die. Sounds sweet. Sounds right. Sounds depressing. In that scenario, what is the purpose of marriage? Longevity. So many people think that God's view of marriage is just simply being married for a lifetime. But that falls way short of God's view of marriage and the marriage union. Now, our world has grossly misinterpreted those steps. They don't even follow that pattern But God has a different thing in mind when it comes to marriage. Let me give you God's view of marriage. God creates mankind with purpose. Genesis chapter one. God made them male and female. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. God gave man and his wife a purpose to take over the world. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, world changers, history makers. We're here to change the world. I said we're here to change the world. You are called to be a world changer. And God gave you your marriage with purpose that within the context of your marriage, you're supposed to take dominion in the earth. You're supposed to make a difference. You're supposed to use your marriage to influence your world for him. God created a woman to help mankind fulfill his purpose. He said, I'm going to give man a helper. Well, what did he need a helper for? To cook his meals? So he'd have someone to have sex with? No, it was much more than that. God gave him a helper to help him fulfill his divine destiny of changing the atmosphere, changing the world around him, influencing people with the kingdom of God. See, marriage is therefore much more than just merely following, falling in love and surviving a lifetime. It's about purpose. But most marriages, even Christian ones, are not lived on purpose. They are just lived. You have two people existing together, not changing anything, not influencing anybody, not making any difference in the world. But they made it a lifetime. And they totally missed the purpose of why God brought them together in the first place. As a single person, if you're here today and you're single, you're not just looking for someone with whom you can fall in love and spend the rest of your life with. You're not looking for someone just because they're cute and they're breathing. You are looking for someone who can help you fulfill your God-given purpose, and that is to take dominion of the world, to make a difference, to help other people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's your purpose in marriage. It's not just to be happy. That's why most of you fail in marriage, because you think it's all about being happy. No, happiness is not the goal of marriage. 
The goal of marriage is obedience to the purpose of God. And when you are obedient to the purpose of God, you will find purpose for your life and happiness will follow. But if you're chasing after happiness and you miss the purpose of God, you'll never be happy. Because that person you're married to will never make you happy. Only the fulfillment of God's purpose in your life can ever bring true joy into your life. If you're married today, then I want to encourage you to come back to the understanding that your marriage has a purpose. You need to today, start today, to begin to live your marriage with the purpose that God gave it. You need to look at your spouse and you say, we've got some work to do because there's a world that needs Jesus. And God brought us together with the express purpose to make a difference in the world in which we live. I can't do it by myself. I need you by my side. Come on. Come on. Let's take this world. The Bible says that the the relationship between a, a husband and his wife is a reflection of the relationship that Christ has with his church. That's the way we ought to be living our lives in such a way that our, our marriage reflects the intimacy with which Christ and his church operate. We read in Malachi chapter two and verse 15 that one of the, the primary purposes why God brought man and woman together and made them one was that they might bring up godly offspring. One of the purposes of your marriage is to raise your children to serve the plans and purposes of God. It's not just to grow them up and then one day say, okay, you're on your own. Go do your own thing now. No, you raise them with the the understanding. When you get married, you're marrying for a purpose. This isn't just, we hope you survive for for a lifetime. No, you've got a purpose to change the world. I'm I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I I gotta apologize. I'm just so excited about this material. And sometimes I get so excited about it, I just, I just get, I get passionate. But, but I need you to know, I really believe this stuff. I really believe what I'm telling you today. And I believe that if you'll grasp a hold of it and you'll begin to live your life this way, it will radically change your life and your marriage. I wish I could be soft and quiet and just, oh, let's just talk. But I get so excited about it because God's got purpose for your marriage. Not just so that you survive, but that you thrive and you fulfill the destiny that God has given for you in your marriage. So God wants you to raise up godly offspring, not just offspring. He wants just to have kids. He wants our kids to grow up and serve the purposes of God in their generation. And this can be natural children, and this can be spiritual children. God's called us not only to raise our own kids to serve, but God's called us to influence others as children and to help them fulfill their God-given purpose and destiny that we might fill the earth with God kind of people. We might fill the earth, that we might take over. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat, we're here to take over. With God kind of people, God-like people, 
We ought to be ruling and reigning this planet. But we have, we, we have given up our purpose, thinking our purpose was just to live a lifetime together. When God had so much more in mind for you. Come back to the revelation. And can I just say this? Oh, man. It's already three minutes after 10, and I've still got six points yet to go. I knew I was in trouble when I, I wrote these notes. I just, there's no way I'm going to get through all of this. We may have to come back next week for part two. Would that be all right? Would that be okay with you if we did that? Now, that, that doesn't mean you can stay home next week because you know what the subject matter is, <laughs> right? But, but just, just let me say this. Let, let me talk to men just for a minute. Men, take the lead. Take the lead. God's called us to lead, not to dominate, to lead. And it's just time for some of you men to put on your big boy panties. And lead your family in the ways of God. Come on, you take the lead. You make sure your family is praying together. You make sure your family is in the word of God together. You make sure your family is in the house of God together. You lead in your home. I'm not chauvinistic. I'm biblical. Amen. And I believe God's called us as men to lead. That doesn't mean that, that your wife doesn't have a part to play because she can And she should. But you need to set the tone and the atmosphere in your home. That was God's design. He brought Eve to help Adam. It's awful quiet in this church today. All right? You got... Got time for one more, maybe, maybe two. It depends on how fast we can get through this. But so the first one is you need to get you need to see marriage as God sees marriage. Because until you do, your marriage will never be what God intended it to be. Right? You have purpose in that relationship. Live for the purpose of God, not just to live a lifetime together, but to fulfill God's purpose of changing and influencing the world. Number two is prophesy over your marriage. Prophesy over your marriage. We've spoken a lot about the power of our words, right? So what does it mean to prophesy over your marriage? Simply put, it's just the declaration of the word and the will of God over your marriage. If we really do believe that our words are powerful, then we need to be careful about what we're speaking over our spouse. We need to be careful what we're speaking over our marriage. 
what we're allowing our thoughts to, to think about, and we need to begin to declare what God has said about our marriage, about our spouse, uh, about our future, rather than letting those thoughts come out, those, those, those words that, that don't produce life. You know, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible is Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't let any unwholesome talk, non-life-giving, unfruitful words, don't let that come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful that it, it, it might impart grace, empowerment. So watch your words. Can I just say to you, don't use cutting words. Stop it. Knock it off. We don't have to speak those words. Don't use berating words. Don't use terms like you never or you always. That's not true. Even if I did it once, I didn't do it always. Right? Don't let your words be angry. Can I just tell you, if you will just follow that one thing, your marriage will change overnight. If you just stop using angry words, you just, you just you speak Violent, angry, mean words. Come on, don't, don't let yourself go there. I know anger is a real thing. Anger wants to come up. But don't let, the Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Speak softly, speak gently. And if you can't, bite your lip until you can communicate in a life-giving way. Use life-giving Grace empowering words. Guys, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I got a good thing. Come on, she's a good thing. And my wife is a good thing. I'm going to say it with a little bit of attitude. She's a good thing. And because of her, I got favor on my life. She brings favor to me. Thank God for my wife. She supplies favor. I asked God for discernment. He gave me a wife. Thank God for my wife who helps me see things I can't see in myself. She sees all the blemishes and helps me to see them. So why do you get upset with her when she sees your blemishes? She's helping you to be a better version of you. Thank God that my wife sees the good, the bad, and the ugly in me. Do I like it? 
Not always. Very seldom. Do I need it? Absolutely. Every day. I'm a blessed man because of this woman. She's a blessed woman because of this guy right here. Ain't nobody gonna love her like I do. You need to be speaking that. (laughs) Write it down, write it down. Do you realize how hard it is to not only be her her husband, but to be her pastor as well? I gotta pastor her. Help me, Jesus. All right, for singles, let me just say this. Declare God's will and his word over your future spouse and God's intention for them. Don't wait until you're married. Start now. Begin to declare God's plan, God's vision, God's purpose. I want someone tall, dark, and handsome. That's nice. I want someone who loves God. Someone who is committed to his purpose. Someone who will love me like Christ loves the church. And I'm not settling for anything less. God, I believe you will bring them. I'm trusting in you. I don't have to rush the thing. You're going to bring it in your time. And I choose to follow after you and believe that you will bring the right person at the right time. And we're going to together fulfill God's plan and purpose for marriage in our world. Can I, can I just go one more? And, and, then, and then next week we'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll talk. Now, should I? Do I have time? Okay, here we go. You ready? Number three. Practice the golden rule. Practice the golden rule. All right? For those of you who don't know, the golden rule is Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. That's the golden rule. Whatever you would that others would do to you, do to them. So here's the question. How do you want your spouse to treat you? This this is a great rule. How do you want your spouse to treat you? Do you want your spouse to treat you with kindness? Then be kind. I think kindness kind of gets a bad rap. But I I think if you would just determine, I'm going to be kind to my spouse, your marriage would improve significantly just because you chose to be kind. Love is patient. Love is kind. Be kind. Be kind. Stop being mean. Be compassionate. Be loving. (laughs) Be generous. 
Come on, these are, these are things you can do. Be thoughtful. Be forgiving. Anyone here ever blown it in marriage? Well, there's four or five of you. The rest of you are liars. And, um, and we're gonna have an altar call at the end uh, for that lying spirit. Right? We've all blown it. I need forgiveness daily. And so I'm asking her to give it to me. Don't you think it's only right for me to give it to her when I need it so desperately? Except for those of you who are perfect. Right? Be forgiving. Be encouraging. Be encouraging. When was the last time you said something encouraging to your spouse. Something that just blessed them. Something that just built them up. When was the last time you told your wife how beautiful she really is? How blessed you are that she's in your life. When was the last time you thanked her for doing the laundry or for making that meal. Ladies, when was the last time you thanked your husband for picking up his underwear <laughs> And maybe if he hasn't picked up his underwear in a while, maybe just something like, "Sweet, I shall appreciate it when you pick up your underwear. It just blesses me so much. You know what he'll do? He'll pick up his underwear. Why? Because you encouraged him. We need encouragement in our life. Be encouraging. However you want your spouse to treat you, so you treat them. Now, it may not happen overnight. I know that some of you are gonna go home today, you're gonna give an encouragement to your spouse and they're gonna bite your head off. And you're gonna go, it doesn't work. Pastor said it would work and it didn't work. It works. Just keep doing it. Come on, just keep sowing it. Like a seed, just sow it. And believe that if you'll sow it, God will bless it and cause it to bring up a harvest in your life. Amen? Now I've got four more things. And they are really important things. Um, I wish I had time to get into them today. So I've got to ask. I've got to, I've got to plead with you. Be back here next Sunday. Because there's some stuff that I'm going to share next week you don't want to miss. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of that today? Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes. Today, Pam and I want you to know how desperately we love you and how desperately we want to see your marriages thrive, to succeed, and to be all that God intended marriage to be 
in your life. But for so many of the people that we pastor, our hearts break because you're living far below the privilege that God has made available to you. Part of it is because you're not seeing marriage the way God sees marriage. And you think it's about you, and it's not about you, it's about him. For some of you, your marriage is on a road of destruction today because your words have been words of destruction. And all you've ever done is just speak, vomit on one another. For others of you, you've been treating people not the way you want to be treated, but the way you think they deserve to be treated. It's not what the Bible says. The Bible simply says treat them the way you would want to be treated. And if you just begin to live by those three principles alone, your marriage would change drastically. So today, in this moment, we're asking the Holy Spirit to awaken us on the inside. Awaken our vision to see our marriage the way that God sees marriage. That we would begin to repent over the words that we've spoken. We begin to declare God's will, God's word over our spouse and over our marriage and over our future. And that we would begin to treat one another with grace, with empowerment, with love, because that's the way we would want to be treated. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope this message has strengthened and encouraged you. Join us again next week for another great podcast with Victory Church where we're helping people win.